0: When I was following the Grateful Dead around many, many years ago in a drug addict, I was eating mushrooms, tripping acid, and smoking a lot of pot. It's what I was doing. I was a drug dealer, I was a con artist, and I lived my life fully for myself. That's my past, and I'm not ashamed of it because it's in my past. It's not who I am today, and I'm, you know, 26 years past that, 26 years, thank God. But I was a, you know, I was a peace, love, and happiness guy. I wasn't a a hell-fighting biker, though it's funny because I minister to those guys. I was hanging out at the bar yesterday. Really, I really was at the bar yesterday. But I had my vest on, and it says in big yellow and black letters, Jesus is Lord, with a big cross on the back. For those of you that don't know, I'm the president, chapter president of the Tribe of Judah Motorcycle Ministry, and we minister to outlaw bikers, and there are several outlaw bikers that I'm close friends with that actually care about me and believe in me and said that you're the most real Christian I've ever met. Now, that took years and years and years of laboring and sewing and planning, and as time goes by, I've gotten bolder in what I say to these guys, and they just smile because they know I'm the real deal, and they don't get offended by it. And sometimes we have to go to these benefits and go into their world and show them that we love them. But the difference is, is I'm not doing what they're doing. The difference is, you know, I felt like Han Solo walking into the bar with all the people around ready to shoot me in the back, but they're not going to because I have the power, right? And so we're there to love these guys and show them that Jesus loves them and understand that even the eyes of the Lord behold all things, the dark and the light, the good and the evil. That's in Proverbs 15. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. And so what happens is, is we go into these places and we love on these guys in, in, right where they're at. And it's an odd feeling. And the more that I get away from that in my life, 26 years ago, I walk in and it feels strange to me a little bit, especially when I'm surrounded by a massive amount of bikers, right? But, over time, I built relationships, and over time, I know if I keep, keep sowing seed into their lives, my heart and my prayer is that some of these guys will get born again and come out of that lifestyle. Yeah. I actually really believe that. Thank you, Lord. Like, I really believe it. Yeah. That the worst of the worst, the atheist, the Satanist, the drug addict, the drug dealer, the pimp and the prostitute, mm-hmm. somebody has got to go into all the world, and take the light that is inside of them, and shine it in the darkness that's out there. Now, the question comes down to who's influencing who. Because if you are influenced negatively, and they're having an Im- effect and an impact on your life, probably not a good idea. That's why for me, when I first became a Christian, I had to cut off all my friends. And these were diehard, diehard friends. Some of my best friends I ever had that went to dead shows with me, that partied with me, that We had lots of life experiences. These are guys and girls that I smoked pot with that I had grown up with that were some of my closest friends. But when I made the decision to give my life to Jesus, those friends didn't quite want to hang out with me the same way that they did before because when I wasn't partying and smoking and drinking and doing what I used to do, then they didn't want anything to do with me. You find out who your friends are pretty quickly when you're not partying. You find out pretty quickly when you're like, no, I don't want to go to the club tonight. No, you know what? I'm going to turn my life around. I'm I'm going to live for Jesus now. And you will get persecuted, and you will have to overcome. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I remember going, well, first of all, I answered an altar call at 13. I went to a Baptist church camp in Missouri, and I went only for one reason, the girls. The girls. That's the only reason why I went to the Baptist church camp. And so when I went, my mind was solely on trying to meet girls. But I remember answering an altar call at 13. We went to chapel and they called for people to give their lives to Jesus. And I answered that call at 13. But I had no follow-up. I had no root system in my heart. And whatever I prayed and whatever I said didn't take root in my life. And I had no discipleship and no follow-up. I didn't guard and keep what happened. I didn't know anything about that. And so I just continued on with my lifestyle because I didn't know any better. When I was at the Grateful Dead concert in Atlanta, Georgia, I was at the Omni Center, and I was at the peak of my worldly game. I was happy as could be in the world. I had the best seats. I had the best bud. I had the best girl. I had everything that I wanted, or so I thought. And while I'm hanging out at the Omni Center, in comes somebody to witness to me. It was an evangelist. You know, not much different than one of our young adults going out to witness to somebody at Heat Wave. So I'll just say Francisco came up to me at the Omni many years ago. (laughs) And he was so fired up and he was so passionate and he started telling me about Jesus. But see, I believed in the theory of relativism. I believed that all roads led to God. And whatever worked for you, worked for you. Who was I to tell you? what you should believe and shouldn't believe. But you see, the Bible actually tells you what you should and shouldn't believe. The Bible draws a line in the sand. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. And it makes it very black and white. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Without the Holy Spirit, we're not sons and daughters and you can't know him. And I know that that's a difficult narrative for so many people because we wanna be nice to everybody. And we care about people. I don't want anybody to to not experience what I have or to perish or to die. Neither does the Lord. That's why he keeps sending us. That's why we have Rock City Church. That's why there's guys like me and people like you with testimonies. That's why your problems today are your ministry tomorrow. Or as I said to some friends the other day, your ministry today came from your problems yesterday. So we understand that in the overcoming, in the adversity we build a story. In the battle, we build a story. And so God raises us up to be clarion voices, to speak the truth and to not fudge it for the sake of being people pleasers or growing a big church. But we do it with love and authenticity. I can be very firm and hard with you when it comes to sin, deception, and lies, but I can do it with so much love that you go, oh, that was so awesome. (laughs) And I just totally kicked your hiney. Right? Because if you do it with love and you do it with a heart from the Father's heart, you can say it in a way that impacts people's lives and they want to receive it and believe it. And so I'm at the Omni Center. This guy comes up to witness to me. And man, he was, he was good. He probably the best evangelist that ever witnessed to me ever in my, my sinning career. He was the best. Right? And so I went back and forth with him about me being spiritual. I considered myself very spiritual. I meditated on crystals. I looked at tarot cards. I was into astrology. And I carried my Bible with me all at the same time. (laughs) I'd have a big crystal meditating on one hand and my Bible in the other. Now, I didn't know what the Bible said because I didn't really read it. But the Bible in and of itself to me had power. Just the Bible being with me carried weight and power. Or so I thought. Little did I know I had to know what was in it and get it inside of my heart rather than just carry it in my hand. And so uh, we went back and forth and I was hard-headed and I was basically the wayside guy. Meaning that when the word came to my life, I rejected it with my head and I cast it down into my path and then I trampled it underfoot. That's the wayside. I taught on that last week. Please, please listen to last week's message. I really helped you to understand how the devil robs and steals and kills from your life whenever the truth and the word comes at you. And that wherever there's seed being sown, there's an adversary to devour. Even right here. It's not so mystical. It's always a battle at Rock City Church because there's truth, there's life, there's the presence of God, and the devil is gonna do all he can to steal the seed, but you have the authority to not let him do it. So the wayside soil, and we're gonna read it a little bit today, the wayside soil is the valley of decision in your mind when you choose to accept or reject. And when you make the decision to reject God's word and love and life for you, the seed that is being sown at you falls to the ground and then you put it subjected under your feet. Now, instead of us being subjected to Christ and putting the devil under our feet, the devil has freedom to come and steal the seed right off your path. Last week's message, if you missed it. It was awesome. I thought it was great. So I rejected that seed that this guy was sowing and in turn... And there were a lot of reasons for that. There were a lot of reasons why I rejected it. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Like, so we're going to talk today about the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower gives an incredible narrative, not only to, the, to believers, like all of you going out to do evangelism. This parable is so important. If you're ever going to witness to somebody or talk to somebody about the Lord, <clears throat> the parable of the sower is so powerful because It speaks to us about preaching, teaching, and spreading God's word in this world. But it also speaks to the conditions of people's hearts and the responses that you can expect from people when you sow the word. Okay? So when I speak the word today, there's a variety of different heart soils in here this morning. A lot of us are at different places in our life. We're experiencing a lot of difficulty in some areas, and for some of us, things seem to be going really well. Some of us were raised with really broken checkered pasts. Some of us were raised in a great godly home and still had to make the decision but never made the the bad decisions that some of us did with drugs and alcohol and all the things that we did. And so... The parable of the sower, which we will read it here in a second, I'm setting you up. It has four heart conditions. The first one's the wayside. The second one is the rocky or stony heart. The third one is the thorny heart. And the fourth one is the good and the noble heart. So there's four hearts, okay? Four heart soils or four heart conditions. When we talked about the wayside heart, I made it very clear last week that this seed is immediately rejected. It doesn't even really matter what I say. Some people have so much hurt and wounding from their past that the minute that you go to talk about Jesus, they close their ears and don't want to hear it. Or you formulated opinions and we've done our nice Sunday morning duty and we let our friends drag us to church or we came begrudgingly or we just did it because we thought it was the right thing to do but we're not really gonna listen and hear what the Lord has to say because we've already formulated our opinions based on a variety of factors. That person rejects the word instantly. You know how many people I try to talk to? They're hurting. I've even had people sick as can be at HEB and walked, I could tell that they were sick and in pain and I walked up to pray for them and they said, no, I don't want you to pray for me. I don't quite understand that I mean, if you're sick, you should do whatever it takes to get healthy. And the only thing that we're really preaching is love and life and power and health. But the problem is, is too many people have gotten a false narrative about who Jesus and who God is. And we formulated deceitful lies in our heart and we don't even realize it. How do we formulate them? How do people even have a rejection and a wayside heart? How does somebody block the word in their mind and their heart instantly? How does that happen? Well, I have some ideas. I think how we're raised is a big factor. My dad was a non practicing Presbyterian, and my mom was an angry Greek Orthodox. I'm not kidding. So before I was born, my mom's a stu- airline stewardess. One of her friends dies. She's not a practicing member at the Greek Orthodox Church. So she, she goes to the priest and asks to have her friend buried, and they say no because she's not a member of the church. So she gets angry, and my mom never, ever talks about God or ever goes to church my entire childhood. Then my mom meets, this, meets my father who is a non-practicing Presbyterian who was an altar boy who grew up going to the Presbyterian church. And by the time I came along, he had rejected, stopped going and church and God talk never happened. No prayer, no nothing. And so for me, anything Christian was abnormal, anything. And then the only Christians that I saw, I didn't like because they were hypocritical, there were friends I saw at school or those that went to church that were snobby and stuck up and treated me like garbage. Now I'm speaking about 50 or 60 of you right now. And I let that narrative define who God really was. I let what other people did define that. And some of you have a father wound. Most people that are spun out on drugs and alcohol are running off into sex, premarital stuff, drugs and alcohol. Have a father that abandoned them when they were a child or abused them or didn't show them. Make sure everybody understands I'll be the first to self deprecate in this whole room because I was that guy. Abandoned by my dad, was taught by my father to. If I wanted to succeed, I had to work hard and to measure up, and if I performed well, I would get great rewards. But I had no concept of identity in who I was as a son. Instead, my value was based on how good I was. The clothes I wear, how good-looking I was, how I did in sports and athletes, how good my grades in school were. So everything was revolved around how my value being in what I did, not who I was. Yes, this is a good word today. And you guys are dialed in. I feel you right now. I feel you. Because I'm speaking so, I'm probably hitting hundreds of people right now with this message. Thousands that are watching online. It's not so much of a mystery how people get sideways. If, a, if you're a single mom, the love of the father resolves the father wound. If you were abandoned when you were a child and never loved and cared for and nourished by your parents for any reason, mom or dad, the father can be the dad you never had. And that's the number one reason why I came to the Lord. It wasn't because I recognized I'm such a bad sinner, even though I was a bad sinner, like I wasn't very good at it. I kept getting busted, just like Oscar. (laughs) I just wasn't very good at it. So the wayside is happens we reject because of anger, bitterness. Remember the story when I cast the demon out of the stripper girl. I didn't lead her to the Lord. She was possessed, eyes rolled in the back of her head, foaming at the mouth. Some of you may not remember that story. I told it in a message titled Spiritual Warfare Revisited. It's on the podcast. And basically, I cast the demon out of the girl, took about an hour. It was brutal. It was hard. I should have never done it. I should have never done it. But I was young and immature, and it was a lesson for me. So I cast the demon out of the girl. She sits up. She says, I need a cigarette. She's a mess. She had smacked her head against the ground. The devil was trying to destroy her. It was ugly. It was awful. But the devil came out. Praise God. Not really. Because as soon as the devil came out, she asked for a cigarette. And I said, you need to give your life to Jesus. She put her hands over her ears and she said, I don't want anything to do with Jesus or God because he killed my mom. And I looked at the brother that was there. I said, what happened? She said, when we were young, we went to an old... We went to an ultra-Pentecostal church that didn't believe in doctors. And my mom got cancer. And we all believed and prayed that God would heal her. And he didn't. And it's God's fault. Sadly, that's the reality for so much of society around us today. Tragedy comes and the devil comes to immediately pin, pin the tail on the Lord. That it's his fault. That God did it. God took that child. God took that father. God killed her. God's not a good God. If he is, then why da 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 fill in the blank. 9-11, Oklahoma City, ISIS. If God's a really good God, then why this, that, this, that? See, if you don't get a proper, healthy understanding and narrative of what the Bible says about an infected sin in all of humanity that came from the garden and that people are poisoned by a sin nature in every single person, but God brought redemption to transform us and change our lives into another person so that the curse gets reversed and the poison gets canceled, there's an anti-venom in the spirit that cancels the poison from the serpent from the garden. Woo! Woo! Man, there was an anointing on that. You get it? You guys are a smart church now. You've been around a long time, most of you. It's time that we grow up and get an understanding and we be serious and we become students of the word and become experts in the subject matter in which we adhere our lives to. That's good. Yeah. Come on. This isn't role play. Somebody just shot themselves. A baby was just aborted. Somebody just got sold into sex trafficking all while I was talking. Church hurts is one of the biggest things that isolates people, sadly. And in some cases, it wasn't even the pastor's fault. It was our own. And in some cases we didn't understand what it meant to serve under a Saul and when the spears were being thrown at us, we loved and still played our harp in worship and we didn't cut the hem of their garment off but we said, you know what, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm sorry for what you went through. Join the club. You don't don't get a lot of outs with me. Somehow in my 47 years of life, I've gotten to experience a lot of things. And what I understand is that my response and how i choose to re- to live my life in the midst of adversity and no matter what you do or don't do that's what matters the most there's so many misguided belief systems that aren't truth but most people don't read their bible i'm just saying And what you can't keep doing is living on a Sunday to Sunday and a Wednesday to Wednesday and a momentary touch from God and not getting full-time wind in your sails or you'll never produce fruit in a garden that comes to fruition that changes your life. Now, I'd rather you keep coming Sunday to Sunday and Wednesday to Wednesday. Please don't stop. But take the challenge. Take the challenge. I triple dog dare you to read your Bible every day and sit with Jesus and hear his voice. So the parable of sower, I said it last week, I'll say it again today. It's much more than a momentary decision. It's about a lifetime of dedication. I thought to myself, how do do people have different soil hearts? How do people have four different soil hearts? This is pre-seed. This is pre the word of God coming into your heart. How in the world does everybody have different soil hearts? Are some people good and some people innately bad? If you believe that, wrong tree. Because everybody has the same chance no matter what your circumstance in life is. Everybody does. God loves everybody equally. And everybody has the choice, no matter what you were born into, no matter what your situation was, if your parents didn't want you and they wanted to have an abortion. My dad said to my mom, my blood father said to my mom, I told your mom I didn't really want you. Have you considered having an abortion? 1970. Whatever your situation is, it's not a matter of good and bad people. We all have the same opportunity and God's DNA is in every one of you. God's DNA is in the Satanist. Because people were created in his ultimately and originally in his image and likeness. No matter how you slice it and dice it. But how? But due to the fall and the infection of humanity, and due to the curse on the earth, which I talked about last week, that came as a result of the fall, countless factors come into play why some people's heart condition would be different than others. So there's all these reasons why. But it's not because good person, bad person, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, tag, you're it. That's not how it works. That's right. The devil says something's wrong with you. God says, I see a beautiful daughter full of life and power and joy. I'm not listening to what the devil says about you. I know what I see. And the power and the authority in me is way greater than the power and the authority of the devil. I just got to get you to believe it. That's the valley of decision. the devil's a liar. And he's constantly out to preach a narrative of something that you're not. Remember, shame says something's wrong with you. And shame will keep you isolated. And it always blames. It's my dad's fault. It was God's fault. You know what? Just take ownership. It's your fault. Guilty. Because the minute you come to that spot and lay down your guard of self-preservation and pretension and protectiousness, protecting yourself, and you say, Lord, I have really messed it up. He says, oh, yeah, you did, but come here right now. i got to give you a big hug. He says, I love you so much. When you finally go say, I surrender. Oh, man. When you finally say, I am done running, I'm so tired of beating my head against a wall. I am at my end. He says, you found my beginning. That's a word I'm preaching to a whole lot of you this morning. The key is what's going to happen when you leave here today. That's that's the key. And that's what I ultimately want to set you up for. I want you to think of the earth for a minute. The earth is diverse and vastly different from one region to another. There are multiple climate types all over the earth. How many of you know what climate is defined as? Climate is defined as weather statistics over a long period of time. Now you're gonna enjoy where I'm going with this because we're ultimately going to the heart condition. We're talking about soil types. So climate, we definitely have a climate here. I think we can all describe our climate, humid, really hot, humid and hot and hotter. Sometimes an overabundance of rain which causes flooding and sometimes no rain. It's semi-arid. We live in a semi-arid, not tropical. We have tropical moisture that comes in, but it's semi-arid. And so it's hot. So over the earth, we have what? We have tropical climates. We have arid or dry climates. We have really, really cold tundra climates. And we have all these different factors of climate. Things like the terrain, things like, is the land by water? Is there moisture in the air? Temperature, and of course, climate change. There is climate change. Don't think necessarily global warming. Think, in 2007, it rained 53 inches here. In 2009, we didn't get a drop of rain till almost September. And it was like drought.com. That's climate change. Climate change is simple. Today, it's hot and humid. If a tropical depression comes in, it's cool and rainy. Okay. And so there's all kinds of factors that affect climate, all kinds of factors, from deserts to rainforests, to the mountains and the sea. The earth is wild and diverse, latitude, altitude, mountains, sea level, all kinds of factors. So when you're thinking about people's heart heart condition, guess what? You all are uniquely created in God's image and in his likeness, and you have a thumbprint and an eye print and a DNA that no one else has, none of you. You're uniquely different. So I'm not going to make any presumptions. I'm going to love you the same no matter where you're at. I'm going to sow the seed no matter what the climate of your heart is. What I know is, is most of us, all of us need an internal climate change. We need a climate change. So think of the situations and circumstances around people's heart. Hurts, pains, rejection, abuse. I mean, I've heard the worst of the worst stories. Incest at eight. Hear that stuff. I've heard it. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff so people need an internal climate change there's different heart soils we need spiritual understanding and it's more than the natural land that you were grown up that you were raised in in fact the bible makes it clear that as a christ follower external conditions the the situations of your life if you're a christ follower this is the standard of the bible that the conditions, the external situation of your life does, should not affect the internal climate of your heart. Now that's the standard. Does that always happen that way? Is that where God wants us to go? Yes. No matter what happens with the economy, we're picking up all these narratives about the, the country's polarized. We're all picking up all these meta-narratives. We're picking up everything on immigration. We're picking everything up on women's rights. We're picking up all kinds of stuff on politics and the nation's polarized. But for Christians, we're part of the kingdom. We're not of this world. And if you're not careful, you're gonna fall prey to the world's narrative and get divided over all these issues that are not kingdom. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, okay? And so when you're not a Christian, If you're not a Christian, the external circumstances of your life actively affect the climate of your heart. That's what's happening, okay? So that answers the question. How do we have so many different heart soils? I just answered that question for you. Don't fall prey to the narrative of good person, bad person. You're just innately a bad person. Nope. They had a climate that they were raised in that affect the situation of their heart, which caused them to believe a narrative. Abuse, you know, parents were drug addicts. Parents were divorced when I was young. I was left by myself. I was thrown on the streets at 16. I had to fight for myself because if I didn't, no one else would. If I didn't watch my back, then nobody else would watch it for me. So I had to fight for, for my survival. I had to fight for what's right. So let's look at the parable real quick. Luke chapter eight, verse four. When a great multitude had gathered, let's read the parable. You guys want to? All right, Luke chapter four, Luke chapter eight, verse four. When a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke a parable. So notice the four heart conditions, okay? Now what we're going to do is we're going to read the parable and then we'll read how Jesus taught on it, okay? It says, when a great multitude gathered, okay, he spoke a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. Notice this. It fell to the wayside, was trampled down, then the devil came. Your first line of offense or defense when it comes to the word is the valley of decision in your brain. It's your intellect. That's the wayside. Verse 6. Some fell on the rock, on, on a rock. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. That word, those two words, lacked moisture, has been sticking out with me for a month. I've been reading this for a month. Yeah. I'm just teaching on what I started reading on a month ago. It lacked moisture. Oh, man. Just those two words alone. When there's no moisture, you get a cracked, dry, brittle, broken, broken, Weed-infested heart. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it, but others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has an ear to hear, (coughs) let him hear. But doesn't everybody have ears? Do you all have ears? Are you hearing me right now? That's not what Jesus was saying. Let him who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Well, wait, we all have ears. What he's saying is here with your understanding in the climate of your heart, get wisdom and know that it's much more than just the natural he's speaking to you spiritually, okay? Matthew 13 also gives this parable and I'm gonna give you some of the additions that Matthew says. Matthew says that the stony ground did not have much earth, it was shallow. And it immediately the seed immediately sprung up due to no depth, and it became sun-scorched and withered away due to a non-root system. So the, the ground was so shallow that immediately it sprung up, but it had no deep roots. And then as soon as the sun withered on it, it withered it away. Remember, Luke said it had no moisture. So the sun beats on it with no moisture. Sun representing heat, hardship, high humidity, sweat of your brow that the, God's answer to that is moisture from the kingdom, moisture from one another, moisture from parents. So I prophetically speak into your lives how much God loves you and cares about you. You're a son, you're a daughter. Don't believe the lie. I believe in you. You're called to greatness. I see you having all the promises that God designed for you. And I start nourishing you and I speak as a father into your heart and I replace all those other lies. And now the moisture comes in and the seed begins to take root. The other thing that Matthew added was that the good, the, ground, the good ground yielded three different crop levels, 30, 60, or 100. And that all has to do with how the ground's cultivated. Let me show you what Jesus, how Jesus broke the parable down. Luke 8, verse 11. The parable is this, the seed is the word of God, and those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of temptation, fall away. Let me tell you about there's a lot of people like this that come to church. I talk to them all the time. Pastor, this was awesome. This is the man. Fine. You said exactly what I needed. And they received the word with joy. And in a momentary experience, they're happy and they're like, oh man, pastor got me. God got me. The word was right. They receive it with joy. But the minute that they walk out and temptation comes, mm-hmm. yeah. they, it immediately gets stolen away. It also is because it had no depth, no deep soil, no moisture. So God has a way to give you moisture every day. Every day. And it's not just about a quick moment of joy. Man, that was awesome. We keep coming for our joy fix every Sunday. But that's all it is, is a joy fix. And at temptation, we come to church, but we live lives of double standards, double-minded, that aren't sustaining and producing fruit in our lives. So every week, we come back the same. Over and over and over and over again. Now, let me say this to you. Keep coming back don't stop. I'm not beating you up. I'm just identifying patterns. Because you know why? This guy was that guy once. I mean, I'd hear the word with joy and go right back to my old life. It took time. It took nourishment. And the thing is, is every time you come here, guess what you get? You get moisture. You get spiritual humidity. And what that does is it softens you and softens you and softens you. I've had people that come here for years that finally said, Pastor, I finally got it. And I spent time with Jesus yesterday and read my Bible. And I had an experience. And I thought, haven't you been coming here for the last two years? But then I realized, thank God. You get it? Yeah. Don't stop. Okay? Okay. But understand the patterns. What God wants is a lifetime of dedication and commitment in our lives. You guys okay? Well, I'm out of time anyway, sadly. I mean, why don't I finish this part and then I'll break, give you the synopsis, okay? So they hear the word, they receive with joy, they have no root. They believe for a while in the time of temptation. You know what Matthew adds to that? Matthew adds that because of persecution and tribulation of the word, so you came to church and your best friend says, oh, you're a churchy person now? Oh, you're gonna believe in Jesus now? You know he's a liar. That's all, that's all placebo effect at that church. I said, really? Yeah, you're probably right. And I throw away the seed. Okay? So tribulation, persecution, the cares of this world, all these things, temptation, are out to rob the seed in your life. Uh, but... I love this scripture in Ezekiel 36, 26. This is an awesome scripture. This is concerning a rocky heart. He says, I'll give you a new heart. So if you got a rocky, hard-hearted, calloused, angry, bitter heart that has no depth, that's hard and drought-stricken, here's what he says. I'll take out that heart, the heart of stone, And I'll put in, I'll take out of your flesh. I'm going to put in a soft, pliable, moldable, tender, loving heart because that's who you were created to be. That's who you were. Mm -hmm. See, I don't care who you are. I can see you all the way back to your childhood. I see you as a little girl or a little boy. God has given me trajectory to your past to see that we were all childlike and innocent once. And somehow we got sidetracked, but God in his mercy yeah. brought you back, didn't he? Yeah. God in his mercy brings you back because he loves you and he cares for you. Now, this is good preaching for heat wave. This is good preaching, but understanding that we don't want to just go give a word to somebody at the fruit aisle in H-E-B. We want to give somebody a word that gets some fruit in the aisle of their heart. And they may go, yeah. Oh man, oh, 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 cry, 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 cry. It was so good. <laughs> All right, we love you, but they have no root system. They have no follow up. They have no. Dis- we had this. I had this conversation with Francisco not long ago. So we went and preached the gospel, and then what? Come on. This is the parable for everything I'm teaching you today. Okay. And so, thorns, thistles. Sweat of your brow, toil, all those things directly affect, affect the condition of our heart. Notice in verse 14, the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they heard, they, went out, uh, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit, fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience." Luke says this about the thorns, that they spring up at the same time the garden of your heart springs up. In fact, in Matthew 13, Matthew went on to talk about a parable of wheat and tares growing up together at the same time. Don't pull the tares out or you'll damage the wheat. Here's what God's saying is that every single one of us when we get born again have thorns that are growing up with it. But what's going to overcome what? Are the thorns going to choke your word out? Or will you cultivate life to choke the thorns out? Because I lived for many, 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 many years. And there's, you know what, guess what? There's still some thorns in my heart. Does that shock you? It shouldn't. Because we all got some thorns growing up at the same time. God uses the thorns for the contrast. Cursed is the ground for your sake. And so what happens is the thorns put me in a position to be desperate when I talked to my wife the way I shouldn't, when I walked in fear the way that I shouldn't, when I made a bad decision the way that I shouldn't, those are all thorns and thistles. If you're stressed about money right now, if you're stressed about money and you're tomorrow, wrong tree, curse of the garden, toil, sweat of your brow, period. Now that's the standard that we all fight for. So the thorns wanna choke out the life inside of me. But because I cultivate the garden in my heart, how often? Every day. Psalm 1.1, 1, 1. blessed is the man that does not seat in the, sit in the seat of the scornful nor stand in the way of the sinners. But, verse two, his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it. How often? This isn't once a week. I'm gonna raise the bar so high on you because, and I'm not even raising it any higher than what the Bible's already raised it. All I'm doing is believing the truth. You stressed out, wrong tree, result of the curse. Do I get stressed at times? Yes. Do I have to get back into the word every day? Yes. Give us this day hour. How often? Daily. How often? Daily. Here's another thing about fruit. You know the difference between fruit and a gift? Think of the difference between fruit and a gift. How do you get fruit? You got to grow it cultivate it. I get all kinds of answers when I ask that. Somebody the other day said, well, you got to pick it. I said, yeah, who's got the fruit? The Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy. Love is a fruit. Patience is a fruit. You don't just get it. You cultivate it. And for some of us, it takes 26 years. But some of you can get it in a moment. But we all have to learn it, don't we? You all have a garden that has to be cultivated. The fruit of the spirit is a fruit, but you get a gift. How do you get a gift? You just. Some of you are so hard at receiving gifts. So I like could give you something. No, 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 no. I don't want to take your gift. Some of you have such a hard time receiving. Just say yes. Everybody say just say yes. yes. Salvation is a free gift. Come and buy wine, bread, and oil. You who have no money, make the great exchange. Your life. For supernatural life and it doesn't cost you any money because money can't buy what god has to give come on guys i'm teaching you something so profound you want to know why god seems so far and dry and you seem so distant and sins wreaking havoc in your life lack of cultivation of the soil of your heart you need a climate change everybody say it i need a climate change it's the internal temperature The internal water, the internal living water, the internal bread of life, light. Jesus is the light, then we become the light of the world. Moisture, washed by the water of his word. Baptism, cleansing, power, joy, the fruit of the spirit, ruling and reigning. You cultivate fruit, not just today, but when? Every day. You guys happy? Is that a good word? Does that get you fired up? Now listen, I can't cultivate the fruit in your life. I can speak moisture and wind and life and rain, but only you with the Holy Spirit can produce the fruit every day. This isn't about being a good churchgoer. This is about being a full-time son, full-time daughter. This is about knowing the dad you never had. This is about rejoicing as a son. This is about rest. I'd add a few more things. Rest, peace, the Prince of Peace, all those things combat drought combat sun-scorched land. It's all about the condition of our heart. And every one of us has to battle that. All of us have to battle it. But the good and noble heart, pull up that last scripture about the good and noble heart. I want you to see this last thing. The good and noble heart, verse 14, 15. Look at this scripture. I would encourage you to meditate on this for like the rest of your life. Look at it close. Close. The good ground, they heard the word with a noble or authentic or genuine. All God wants you to be is authentic. That's it. Be true to yourself. You're not, I'm not any better than you. I just chose to take what God gave me, be real with my commitment, recognize my need, and then I kept it. Notice, I keep it. It means to guard it, possess it, protect it, With what? Everybody say that last word out loud. Say it again. Because some of you have real issues with this word right here. You have real issues with this word. I want it all now. I went to church. I don't understand. I said yes to God and nothing's changed. So guess what? Not only do you have to be patient, but the person sitting next to you has to be patient with you. And you need a church and a pastor that's patient too. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' name, let's all stand.